94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. 7.32 on the Rise of Jarvaloha Friday. It's Devin. And Melanie. And joining us this morning, as he always does every Friday, we have Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Woo-hoo. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for welcoming me. Okay, so uh, they've released you. You were in the wild once again. Yes. Is that correct? I am. I'm, <laughs> the, wild. I'm, the, the wild is much wilder now for having me in it. Um, yeah, I, I got, it's kind of an interesting process. The, uh, I've learned a lot, even just as a, a patient. You get released after 10 days, uh, 10 days from the first time you have symptoms. Once you are uh, you know, completing those 10 days, if you are asymptomatic for 24 hours at the end, you get released. That's on the uh, CDC standards. That was, that was last Saturday, actually, for me. But if you are in close contact with anybody, it's two weeks. As you know, you guys experienced my apologies. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so that two weeks included my family, and I didn't want to leave them in the lurch. So I stayed the full two weeks. So our whole family got released as of this morning. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how how um, difficult it is to stay in your kid's bedroom until you've done it for two <sighs> weeks. And then oh, you realize man. there's a lot out there that you would like to be able to access, like yes. coffee and <laughs> McDonald's and things. I, I really came home loaded this morning. They have chicken what i brought i got them um mcdonald's starbucks and uh i don't know what else it's gonna be a lot of uh catch up for us just went on a bender (laughs) (laughs) everyone's very happy this morning uh lieutenant governor can you walk us through some of the uh announcements that were made earlier today uh, earlier this week actually about the travel absolutely so uh very good news on that front we will open up we will open up with visitors coming into the state on October 15th. We now have very clear guidance on exactly what has to be done. People will need to take a, what's called a nucleic acid amplification test, NAAT test from a CLIA certified lab. That's the same test that we've been getting. That's just the definition that the feds use. That test within 72 hours of their departure for Hawaii from the last, the last destination before they take off to land in Hawaii, that's the time frame. Gives plenty of time to do it, and we've been adding partners like MAD, CVS, Walgreens, Kaiser. We're now working with Quest Direct, which is the biggest in the country. And then you saw that United Airlines is now a partner to test at the airport. And then our favorite partners in many ways, Hawaiian Airlines, dear friends of ours. So Hawaiian announced this morning they're going to do a very affordable test uh, within 36 hours of travel in the main markets. And that's going to make it very doable. So if people had been worried, will I be able to find a test? Will travelers find a test? Well, there you go. Now there's so many options that hopefully people will not have any difficulty and they will therefore not have risk. Very, very low risk that people will travel sick to Hawaii or positive for COVID. And that combined with lots of extra screening at the airport should make it possible for us to resume travel and, you know, kind of start getting back to normal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, you know, we're getting uh, messages on Facebook uh, with questions. Heidi Cruel uh, is asking, how will we handle people who choose not to take pre-flight COVID tests? Those guys are going to go into quarantine for two weeks. And we are discussing, we have not made any final decisions yet, we are discussing the possibility of having a designated uh, venue or a, a non-cleared hotel where people would go. I have to tell you, though, it's going to be really few people because it just doesn't make any sense to come and not 
you know, not have clearance. Plus, one of the things we had to work on very hard was our digital form. And now that our digital form is, is getting perfected, getting much better every minute, um, people are going to have to be able to show that. For instance, when you go check into your hotel, you're going to show, yes, I'm cleared or no, I'm not. And the hotels will help us as partners. If there are individuals that just refuse to get tested and then they go out and try to break the quarantine, they're going to get busted. So I think uh, the system is getting streamlined as we go. It's not going to be without a few bumps in the road. I mean, let's be frank, it's a big lift, but I think that it's going to really be it's a program to make us safer. Will there be some people who still mess around? Sure, there will be. But the likelihood of us having a big surge of COVID from travelers is going to be almost nothing. I do think that as we have more activity just taking care of people, working at the hotels and so on, we're going to have to kind of re, I guess, redouble down on our safety precautions, wearing masks, socially distancing and whatnot, because, you know, there'll be more contact. But we've turned the corner. Things are going better. Our case counts are much lower now. I can run those numbers for you later. And in general, it's going well. I just don't want to see our surge because that was we just can't go back to lockdowns again. It's too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we, I think we agree. Once again, uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Uh, Lynn Owings also wrote us on Facebook about uh, she wanted to know where, like, if you come in, she says, uh, uh, if we test 72 hours prior, get on a plane, results aren't back yet, they have to quarantine until the results come back. But once they get the results, where do they go? It'll go, uh, it'll be uploaded onto your form and you'll get cleared that way. So that could happen, you know, if someone, say, puts it off till the end. They could end up with a day wait where they go into quarantine for a day. But now that we have these rapid tests being offered at the airports, it's going to cost a couple bucks, but you will be able to do it and get a real-time result. So it shouldn't be too much of that. But, yes, let's say that happens. Let's say you get your test 48 hours before you travel and the test result just doesn't come back in. You'll go to your hotel. The minute you get your test, which will be sent to you by email, you'll load it up and then you're fine. And then you'll get the kind of all-clear sign from the uh, Department of Health and and Transportation. So it's meant to be as seamless as possible. I wouldn't do this if I didn't think we wanted to take every precaution to keep ourselves safe and open, honestly, because it's kind of a big pain in the neck. But it's worth the work right now. It's worth getting Hawaii open. And we've been answering all those questions. We have, a, um, a, I guess, a series of frequently asked questions, which we'll unload on everybody on Monday. We'll, We'll give that out. And... Our communications people are gearing up for a really heavy three-week push so that people get these questions answered. But I'm happy to answer them repeatedly on radio and TV and and just, you know, so people get comfortable with what's likely going to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of those numbers, can we, can we get into that a little bit, uh, the numbers that have been coming yes. out lately? Yes. Yeah. So we got 90 cases yesterday. Uh, for the last 10 days, we had 933 cases, so 93.3 cases per day. And that's a very that's a steep drop from what it was before when we were averaging 240 cases for a period of time. Mm-hmm. We also have our hospital numbers improving very significantly. As of yesterday morning, we had 162 individuals in the hospital. Back on, I believe it was August 24th, we had 318. That's when we peaked. So we're down almost 50%. Our active cases were at 6390 as of yesterday. I still haven't got this morning's numbers yet. And we peaked at 7300 so that's an, another improvement, and we're headed the right direction. Uh, of course, the tragic uh, loss of life that's especially occurred at the VA facility in Hilo, that's the um, 
the hardest thing to report. You know, we've had 25 plus fatalities now, and it's that's heartbreaking. That, that represents 20 percent of all of the deaths in the state from COVID. Mm-hmm. It's not not that different than what's happening in other states, honestly, but it's still very hard to you know to tolerate. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've done well. The the sacrifices that people made through the stay at home order definitely had a huge positive impact. And what I would say to people now is now that there is a little bit of a loosening where you can go out in groups of five, right, to the beach and families of five or households of five can go to restaurants, just be really careful. Still take a mask, still wear a mask when you're around your waiter, when you are, you know, crossing paths with anybody else. You really still need to be wearing a mask when you're out and about. Uh, and there still is a mask mandate. So don't forget that. And wearing masks, washing your hands, staying six feet away from people that are not in your household bubble, that prevents the spread. And there really doesn't need to be much more to the whole restrictions, except that we're going to try to come carefully off of the, you know, the peaks that we had, because like you said earlier, going back would be almost impossible for people to go back to another lockdown. And I don't, I just don't think it's in the cards. So let's do this right. And I'm encouraged. I mean, I, I think we're going to salvage the, the fall tourism season, believe it or not. I think we'll get a pretty good number of people, especially by Thanksgiving, Christmas time. And it won't be normal, but we'll start feeling some of the normal cadence of what we are used to. People visiting, Waikiki will start opening up again. Just be real careful, everyone. Really careful to keep a mask with you because you should not, you know, you should not take this thing for granted. It was, it was actually very easy to catch from my, um, my security guard. Mm-hmm. He got sick and coughed a lot, and that was it. We were in a car for an hour. That's all it took. Wow. Uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Heidi had another question. She said, will, be, will we be using CARES Act money to fund a lab for testing? Yes, we are. So we're using some of our CARES Act money to fund a special lab that's with the university. We're also using CARES money to expand significantly our testing. We're going to take our tests up to about 13,000 tests a day, up from 4,000. And that's really important because we're going to have returning you know, residents coming back from the mainland. We're going to want to be able to test people so they don't have to go into quarantine. That's going to be a part of the future for sure. We want to be able to test around schools if a you know, if a classroom or even a whole school had several people with a with a fever and a worry, we want to be able to test. Remember, flu season's coming, so we'll need to distinguish between flu and COVID. There's just so many reasons, but all that can be used by COVID money. And we have to spend all of the CARES Act money by the 31st of December or it goes away. So we had a good briefing. One of my old um, colleagues and someone who I do respect quite a lot, uh, Jill Takuda, is, is helping lead that committee for the, um, what is it, the, uh, the Hawaii Community Foundation. They're contributing a lot of effort so we don't waste any of the money. And, you know, there's just a lot of people on this. So you, there's so many projects, it, it really would blow your mind, that have to be funded by the end of the year. It's, it's, un, it's unprecedented how much pressure there is to get that money out. But we should use it for our people. And the appeal I made to all the leadership yesterday was spend extra resources on contact tracing and testing so that we surround the virus anywhere so we don't have to lock down again. We don't have to miss out on jobs. We don't have to worry about paying a lot of unemployment because people get to go back to work. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. You know, um, one of the things, too, uh, I've noticed, at least, uh, but someone was asking about the bars because they are still not allowed to open. And now with the new restrictions that the city put out. It won't be until December, yeah, January. And I, mm-hmm. I just don't know how these places survive. Is there a plan at all in place to help these guys out? Because they just can't. I mean, you can't pay lease rent if you can't even open your doors. I I have to say, when I reviewed it, and you're right, that is the mayor's uh, prerogative. He made those rules um, without me. That is an outlier. I I was, you know, I was happy about much of the rules about getting people out exercising again, especially in their family units and so on. But the restrictions on bars go all the way. I mean, they their bars are being treated as though they're like concert halls, you know, where you can't get together big groups, can't open up any big events. Yeah, and. A lot of them were participating in total good faith. So my, my statement, I'll stand by what I said before, and that's if they're going to force somebody to close their industry, like bars, they, the city needs to pay their overhead. They need to pay their rent, mm-hmm. pay whatever. Of course, they have to pay the unemployment, or the state will pay the unemployment for, for people who don't get to work. But all of their overhead should be paid so that they don't just have to go bankrupt and out of business. And mm-hmm. it's really the only fair thing to do. I'm not a bar goer anymore. You know, those days are... A little bit more in my youth, but <laughs> it's still, you know, I'm very sympathetic because they work hard and they care about our community, too. So mm-hmm. seeing them all the way out in tier one, I'm sorry, tier four, the, the least restrictive tier, that was a bit of a shocker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and also, too, because they uh, there, there was I, I don't want to call it a loophole. That sounds mean, but uh, that's kind of what it was. You basically if you could serve food, if you're a bar, but you serve food, then you were OK. And now that loophole is gone. And so now it's just if you're a bar. You're done. It doesn't matter. You have no, when there's no recourse, there's no, uh, there, there's nothing they can apply to. So I'm just, uh, I'm in shock. Because, yeah. you know, we, yeah. uh, Melanie, both, she and I have friends who are in that business and we're, they're just like, what do we do? Well, it's like, the unfortunate, I, the, the mayor talked about a little bit that there have been some bars that have not been following yeah. the rules that were set. And unfortunately, because not everyone is up to, you know, playing the game the way that it should be. Mm-hmm it ruins it for everyone. Um, but it is unfortunate that people are being held accountable for things that they didn't even do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's the, I agree with, I agree with you guys because by that logic, you'd have to close all long-term care facilities because one did not succeed in keeping people safe at the VA. Yet mm-hmm. all the others are doing very well. Or by the same token, we've had a couple gyms that blew it, but most yeah. gyms were very safe. Mm-hmm. And certainly mm-hmm. most gyms that are people's condos are totally fine. So, you really can't do a one-size-fits-all order. I, I'm I'm fairly certain that the bars are going to litigate against the city, mm-hmm. and it's just it would be better if they just worked it out. They these things are, of course, always an evolution. I'm sure that the mayor Mayor Caldwell tends to respond to um, when people speak up very loudly. He then will review things, and mm-hmm. um, he'll he sometimes switches his policy. So. If they feel that it can be done safely, I think that they'll probably acquiesce. But mm-hmm. bars aren't top of mind for me, but people are. And if people can't work and they can't get back to what their commitment has been, it's just, uh, you know, for their for their employees, it's just not very healthy. So, you know, be patient, everybody. Write letters to the mayor. And I think Caldwell tends to come. Doesn't he come on your radio show periodically, or is it just me? We'll, we'll try and get him on, but uh, most of the time it's you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, you know, I think that bars who act in good faith and who put extra security 
uh, measures in place deserve to be able to open and and look, then if they slip back or they spread, then we shut it down. And there was a good discussion about having a placard system, which was working pretty well, worked for restaurants. So by holding people accountable and, and doing that, I think we should give them a fair shake and let them be open. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Craig or May uh, is asking about the 72-hour test time clock from departure uh, on connecting flights. Uh, how how yeah. does that work? So the way it works is it's the last, location that you fly from that's where you have to be you're getting your test 72 hours before that gives people a little bit of more a little more flexibility in case of delays and stuff so here's the deal imagine you're flying from new york to la to honolulu and you have to get the pretest, of course right you don't want to do 14 days of quarantine so if you leave it doesn't matter when you leave new york it matters when you leave la so if you leave la on uh friday at 3 p.m., if that's when your flight is, that means you have to get your test uh, within those 72 hours before that Friday at 3 p.m., which would mean that by from Tuesday at 3 p.m. to Wednesday to Thursday all the way to Friday, you get your test and then it qualifies. And I, I know that people are going to say, well, what if I miss it by an hour? We'll deal with that. But I, I don't think we're going to be so you know, rigorous that we don't you know, have a reasonable standard, but we have to draw the line somewhere. And so uh, that's the rule, 72 hours before your last, last leg of your departure. And I would also say this. I am working on some language, which we'll get out in the next couple of days, about circumstances that are outside of the traveler's control. Like if they miss it by a couple hours because, you know, mm-hmm. let's say their plane gets to like a whole day. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to work that out. But I don't expect it to be commonplace. And we have not committed to this yet, but we will have some testing capacity. And so for, for certain circumstances, like if a person is sick, we will test them here, of course, right? Any fever, we'll test them when they land because we just want to provide good health care for people. So there may be some circumstances wherein we have to get some additional testing done because it, it's a pretty, that would be a very big burden to tell somebody that they have to lay at, in quarantine for 14 days after making a good faith effort. And that's my standard, a good faith effort to, you know, to adhere to our program. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, just a couple of quick questions before you go. Uh, we're getting, uh, we've had a few now about the administration at the Hilo Vets home. Uh, yeah. Is there a movement? Uh, they're asking about removals and all that kind of stuff. Is that something that your office, or not your office, but uh, the, the state will be getting involved with? Yes. It is. I've actually been in communication this morning with our lead investigator, who is a very good guy, uh, Dr. Yazawa. And I asked a couple pointed questions. And I know Senator Schatz and Mayor Kim are very concerned, as am I. And so is the governor. it, It looks to me like there will be change. The question will be, is it necessary to make an immediate uh, kind of forceful change or not? It's very difficult work. Nothing I say here should defend uh, what Avalon uh, was unable to do. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is it's really hard work because you've got individuals with Alzheimer's disease. They People often are wandering when they've um, lost their capacity in older age. Now you've got a virus that spreads when you cough on one another or sneeze or breathe in someone's face, but these, you know, these poor souls may be 90 years old and not have a lot of capacity, and so there was spread. Now it's their responsibility to keep people safe that are in their you know, in their care. And that's the, that's the ultimate threshold for me. And it looks like they didn't get it done. So 
I bet there will be changes. Department of Health has the legal capacity to pull people's contracts and to force change. And I'm just thinking as a civilian, I would have probably called for change. So they're going to have to get that sorted out. Okay. Thank you. Um, uh, One final question. Uh, Lots of rumors and stuff about vaccines. Can you kind of clear things up for people? Like where things stand, yeah, because absolutely. depending on who you talk to, or depending on their political agenda, or, yes. we have we have uh, depending we have, on who they choose exactly, to listen to. We yeah. have a core. We have a, a you know something coming like next week, and then we have stuff that's not going to be until next year. year so. yeah. No, it's it's going to be a little while. I'm I'm the co-chair of the of the program to get a vaccine for everyone. I'm working with uh, Haima, General Harris team, the Department of Health, and we had a two-hour meeting yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, and then another two-hour meeting today. And we, we will have a master plan out uh, by mid-October, so people will be able to see that. The feds have a 1,000,000 questions that they want answered, which we will have in place for our state. Uh, and that will be a prioritized schedule of people who are highest risk, then medium risk, then lower risk, who would get the vaccines first, then a little later, then a little later. They have told us that a small number, only a small number of vaccines will roll out at first, probably about 20 percent of the vaccine uh, need. So that will go to people that are at the highest risk, like we were just talking, seniors who are very vulnerable to dying if they catch COVID, first responders who are seeing tons and tons of people all the time as they respond to emergencies. Mm -hmm. We'll have those criteria in place. I would expect that you'll start seeing a, a slow trickle of the vaccine toward the end of the year. And then January and February, it'll get really ramped up. Okay. And now, uh, we've also heard uh, that the FDA makes the call on what is a, the true vaccine or the one that works, the one true vaccine. And we've heard the White House say, oh, no, 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 it's our decision. Can you clarify that for people? Well, at the end of the day, the White House can... You know, if you have a president that decides that they're going to micromanage things, there's little one can do. Yeah. Except, of course, have an election. Honestly, that's a big thing you can do. But the president could make decisions. We have worried that the president has insinuated himself into FDA decisions. In general, the when the way government's supposed to work, and it doesn't always happen. I'm not blaming Democrats or Republicans either. Both are probably culpable from time to time. Is science is supposed to be science and it should be independent. It should be separate from these kind of political things. Mm-hmm. And so I was happy when I saw all of the major companies sign on to a, a letter saying that they will not rush it and they mm-hmm. will follow all of the standard procedures for safety. We will do an independent assessment also, just like New York is going to do an independent assessment to make sure that the vaccine is safe. And finally, I want to reassure people it will be optional. I mean, it is not going to be a mandatory vaccine. Mm-hmm. Not certainly as well, as long as I'm in government, it will not be because I know people have to make a personal choice about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Will I encourage people to get a vaccine? You bet I will. I mean, I, I'm a big believer personally in vaccinations, but there are people out there who are worried about it. And this one is going to be hurried no matter what, just be out of necessity. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to really do a lot of deep dives into whether or not this thing is safe. And as long as it is safe, we'll make it available to everybody over the course of a couple months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, we've got you for a couple more minutes here. Did you want to close with anything? Anything you wanted to make sure we circled back to? Uh, well, if I may, look, we've done well, guys, this last month. It, it really, we did get this tiger by the tail and COVID is now much better under control. 
But we saw how quickly it went from essentially nothing, you know, a couple cases a day up to 250 cases a day on average. It did not take a lot to spread it. And we still have a lot of people with no immunity in our state. As of now, we only have, you know, 12,000 confirmed cases. That represents, that represents less than 1% of our total population, right? There, of course, are more cases out there, but that means a lot of people are not immune to this. A lot of people have no protection, and we still have to be very smart and safe to keep it from spreading again. I'm optimistic about the vaccination. I'm optimistic. In fact, I'm confident about the travel program, but it's, we're not totally out of the woods. So please, everyone, wear your masks, adhere to the social distancing and gathering rules, and we will stay on top of this till we get vaccinated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for spending this time with us, as you always do. Uh, uh, just look, thank you for including me in the day. I, I really appreciate being able to communicate to people. Once again, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here uh, on Kumu Kokua on the Rise and Drive, 94.7 Kumu. Wake up, Wake up. with 94.7 Kumu and the Rise and Drive Morning Show.